welcome back to Awakening Reformation, where Reformation awakens now. My name is Grant, and joined with me is my beautiful wife, Erica, the weaker vessel. Hey, y'all. If you want to get to know more about us, we're part of the Reformed Rebel Network. So go find Reformed Rebel Network on social media, and you can subscribe to us in iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher, as well as YouTube. Go subscribe on there because we are putting out our content on there as well and we have a new baby podcast i feel like the rebel alliance the rebel alliance oh no old school that's a flashback (laughs) that's right reformed rebel pod podcast i don't even know what we're talking about anymore reform rebel (laughs) y'all it's been a long day it's been a long day i have migraines with auras i'm pretty sure yeah it's intense y'all and so i've i've been i'm drugged basically is what i'm telling you right now so just bear with okay it's fine. I don't even know who I belong to. <laughs> what is our network? What are we doing Just here? buckle up because this is going to be an interesting episode. We have uh, a new edition. They're called The Great Exchange, and we are part of the Reformed Rebel Network. Did we say that already? <laughs> I tried to. It just wouldn't come out. And so we are so happy to be able to add to the Reformed Rebel Network family The Great Exchange guys are really awesome. They're in Canada, so we've added another Canadian podcast. Canada. And if you saw, we released the new logo everywhere. We hope you love it and hope you pick up on the post-millennial themes of it. Once again, thanks, Jesse. Yes. So we got merch in the works. Yes. Ladies, if you want an apron that says Weaker Vessel, let us know. Yeah. That's the one thing I want. That's the one thing I'm vying for. That's right. We got to get those out. Listen, you'll have the best conversations with especially your liberal family members. It's true. If, you know, at holidays you're Which wearing. Which are coming up. Yeah, that's right. They're coming up this this, this next few months. Mm-hmm. If you're wearing a weaker vessel So apron, men, you should get your wives a weaker vessel apron. Do it. Women, come on. This is your jersey. I love it. I love it a lot. If you want to financially support us so that we can put out awesome stuff like Weaker Vessel aprons, then go to patreon.com slash reformed rebel and you can become a patron there, partner with us and financially support us. If you become a patron, also you get extra exclusive content that we have locked up on there. And we're always trying to think of ways to add to that. And so if you're a patron, you obviously get that right away. And I think you can sign up as little as $2 a month. Of course, we welcome, you know, the higher tiers as well. But beggars can't be choosers. Exactly. (laughs) So thanks, guys. And thank you so much to the patrons who do uh, support us. Yeah, for some reason, even during the whole COVID thing, I don't think we lost any patrons. No, actually, we gained a couple at the beginning. Which is incredible. Yeah, it's really awesome. You guys are amazing. So We feel so loved. Rebel Podcast is back. They are back. They came back last week. It it was just so nice to hear those voices again. You know what Mm, I mean? It's like having a familiar friend over for dinner. Exactly. It just seems everything's right in the world. You know what I mean? There's such sweet fellowship. Things were were off kilter. Now there's balance again. All is right in the world. So good. So make sure you guys are getting all of our content. That's right. We're hoping to ramp up now that, well, actually, I think we might take a little bit of break during our move, but with this new season coming up yeah. in the fall, we're like hoping to ramp up more content. So it's it's about to get fun. It's well, about to become like the sweet spot in our year, I feel like. Yeah, it's true. We've got this good is, stuff coming up every like Christmas season. Usually you know once I mean? the summer's over and school starts up, like we all become way more scheduled and disciplined. We, so. we get back to work. Yeah. <laughs> um. Normally, we will try to pre-record if we know we're going to take a break, you know? Mm-hmm. And we've done that with the bite-sized Burkhoff before. Yeah. Maybe we'll do that. Maybe not. I don't we'll know. We'll see. I don't know if the this listeners... Is, we've never moved internationally before. That's this true. might require a little bit more of We us. have no idea what's we about to no happen. We make no promises. We might just take a break. <laughs> yeah. We might get... I feel like this is the behind the scenes of the Van Brimmer marriage right <laughs> yes, now. We, right. Don't need to, we don't need to do this in front of our viewers. Yeah. You listeners. guys don't need this. Okay. So tonight we have an interesting thing that we wanted to talk about. We find it interesting. Yeah, we do. You might not. And (laughs) we hope you do too. But uh, Erica and I happen to see this kind of attitude a lot online. Mm. We seem to see it 
on every comment thread and we're becoming weary of it yeah so it's just kind of uh seems i think like literally it it probably started a few months ago mm-hmm. like mid covid mid pandemic and then like basically as each one of our because we ha- we've had multiple visitors visit us throughout the summer from mm-hmm. out of state and so basically like every visitor that we've had has been like a new addition to the crazy right and so uh we just thought, you know what? This isn't going away anytime soon. So let's talk about it. So what are we talking about? So what kind of what we're going to talk about is this attitude of opposition to maturity or kind mm-hmm. of uh so what I'm looking for an aversion, yeah, to people who want to prod you on and encourage you on to maturity in to your greater faith. heights, yeah. Yeah. So we'll label this one the critics and the fundies. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's what we've been labeled recently, right? Yeah, the we're, critics. We're critics and we're fundies. Right. So you're either, oh, you're just critical. You're overly critical. You're just a critic. You're a nitpicky, yeah. whiny or fusser. you're just a fundamentalist. You're just, you're too uptight. Yeah. You take things too seriously. Mm-hmm. And your wife probably only wears skirts and probably has an apron that yeah. says weaker vessel. Sounds awesome. Not yet. <laughs> Working on it. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. So that's 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 where we're at. Right. So in the same vein as we would embrace, I would embrace, not you, because you're mm-hmm. a guy. <laughs> right. I would embrace the title weaker vessel. Yeah. I'm also gonna like love and embrace when people online will just call me like a critic or like a fundy mm-hmm. because oftentimes what they're saying or accusing me of is just biblical right so rather than being like no i don't i don't want to be labeled that don't call me a fundamentalist mm-hmm. i'm just going to be like okay if if what you're saying a fundamentalist is is someone who just believes and obeys scripture then yeah, I'll I'll be a fundamentalist. That's what your you know interpretation mm-hmm. of that word means. Then sure, that's what I am. Yeah, like if you're saying a critic or a fundamentalist yeah. is somebody who relentlessly wants to know their Bible, to know it deeper and more fully, mm-hmm. and to shine light on every yep. area of darkness in their life in order to be able to repent of it and obey Jesus in that, and to never stop doing that. If that's a fundamentalist, then I'm a fundamentalist. Sure. We'll right? go with that. Yeah, absolutely. But I think in the world, we have many television shows mm-hmm. um, like the, I don't know how many people are familiar with like the 19 Kids and Counting or there's that, uh, there's another one on TLC. TLC loves to put out like crazy religious shows. Um, For sure. There's that w- with the Mormons. What is that one called? The Remember Mormons. where he's got like five wives or something Sister like that? Wives. Sister wives. Yeah. yeah. Where it shows like the fundamentalist Mormons, yeah. although they're not really fundamentalists. But anyway, whatever they are. Well, they are if they practice polygamy. Right. Yeah. That's not mainstream Mormonism. I think they call themselves something else, though. Do they? Yeah. But there's tons of shows like that. So because these types of shows and entertainment are like super popular, I think that the term fundamentalist has taken on certain connotations. True. Like... uh, I don't know, just being like very extreme in your beliefs. And well, I think a lot of times people associate fundamentalist with someone who is unlike our culture. Well, and pro- there's probably oppression somewhere. There's probably some type of sexual repression somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're just like things that you usually tie into the term fundamentalist. And so yeah. when someone wants to insult you as just a good christian person Mm -hmm. and they throw the word fundamentalist at you they obviously have certain you know that insult carries more than just what you might at first perceive it to do you know what i'm trying to say yeah yeah like there's there's more packed in there right yeah they're assuming some other stuff of you right we've had that before where people think like oh well don't you blah 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 and we're like no No, actually they're like oh (laughs) yeah so anyway so we are going to give you a few uh, situations online, yes. a few things that we have seen to different um, Facebook groups. Mm-hmm. One was the Gospel Coalition, yeah. which I have no problem naming 
no naming names there because it's just a hot dumpster fire right they're they're mostly garbage nowadays yeah that's why it's a dumpster fire exactly it's, it's garbage <laughs> and then the and other on one fire. was a part of a group that i probably won't name okay but it's like a it's a homeschooling group that i'm a part of okay anyway um so the first instance that we're going to talk about so that you guys have a fuller understanding of what it is we are referring to um it, it came from this concept came from like this article that the gospel coalition mm-hmm. released and i think and it it's was, from 2018 originally it was yeah a, which i mean what two years old is not that old some people's comments were like i can't believe they're reposting something from 2018 but it was a post basically warning people about some of the teachings and practices within bethel and i would actually suggest people go watch the either youtube or download on the podcast mm-hmm. apology at church has a podcast called cultish mm-hmm. and they interviewed a girl who was a part of bethel and their ministry training school there's like two or three parts to it but it's super insightful and really helpful to understand what really what is really going on mm-hmm. and this gospel coalition article was talking about the heretical teachings that go on in bethel and the reason why this is something that I think should be talked about is because some, maybe like one or two songs of Bethel Worship's music is sung in churches everywhere. Yeah. And like, it's because- chances are they're probably a, I mean, unless you're like a very strict Presbyterian or something, more right. than likely you're singing some Bethel church music at your church. Right. And I, I used to know which one it was, and now I don't know. I don't. It's been years. So. Yeah, we don't go to a church like that, so... Yeah, and so that's that's the thing is that some people are singing their songs without knowing what this church is really about. Right. And it is super bad. It's very New Age mysticism. It is for it's, sure a cult. It's Pentecostal, like to the nth degree, like really, really, really bad. It yeah. is definitely a cult and um, and definitely heretical. Yeah. So I, I, I so actually don't have a problem. So for once, the Gospel Coalition did something right. good, yeah. and they actually posted something somewhat informative. Right. And a broken, good for them. Right. A broken clock is right twice a day. Yeah. You got to give credit where so credit's due. Even a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and again. <laughs> so. So there's that so, but fun the, analogy. <laughs> um, but we saw so many comments of people. Like, it was shocking how many. Yeah. Over and over again. Of course, we saw people that were like, this is perfect. They are heretics. So we saw that. Mm-hmm. Good on them. But then we saw... Which should have been all of the comments. <laughs> agreed. But some comments were like, uh, we should really be watching our tone when we talk about other people in the body. I think I took a screenshot. Do you want me to Did read you? it? Yeah, you if could you can just pull that up, it. you can Hold definitely on. read it. But a lot of the comments were more so like, should we really be saying stuff like this about those who are within the body? And oh, yeah, so here's one of the here's one of the comments. Okay. This is word for word. Um, and so this is in reference to that article mm-hmm. about Bethel. Okay. This honestly breaks my heart that your organization would share an article from 2018 during this time when the Bethel church is making amazing moves for God. They're going into the darkness and into the mess and people's eyes are being opened and they're finding Jesus. God can use anyone. We all need to check our pride and criticism. Once again, there's that Critics. word, yep. criticism. So do you want to talk on some of those points? Well, the problem with that comment in particular is that it is devoid of any reference to, well, what's actually biblical truth, mm-hmm. right? Devoid of principle and anything. It's just, well, people's eyes are open. Well, my eyes could be open to Satanism. That does not mean it's a good thing. Well, that's that whole woke movement anyway. Yeah, right. Your eyes are being open, so yeah. social justice True. has kind of ruined that term for us. And again, she just says without any proof or biblical foundation, like they're doing good things. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, pagans do quote unquote good things all the time. Right. We, you know, celebrities are philanthropists all the time right? and give tons of money away to the poor and needy. And that's good. That doesn't mean you endorse them or you should not critique them. Right. Yeah. It's This is just the easiest way to shut down any conversation is to call 
the person who is discussing perhaps some major errors in doctrine Mm -hmm. and say, but you're not perfect. You're being prideful here. You're being critical here. And because you're not perfect, you have no right to call someone else out on their sin. And it's that whole like, well, Jesus says, don't judge. Remember that? You're not supposed to judge. And he also says that unless you take the log out of your own eye, that you won't be able to take the speck out of your brother's. Well, the the problem with with all of that is that you're forgetting all the other verses that talk about actually judging mm-hmm. one another and that the leaders of the church are supposed to refute false teaching. And not even just They're the leaders of that. the church, just like Christians. Yeah. Christians are constantly told all throughout scripture to discern and, ha- and have discernment, to discern what is good and evil, to discern... Mm-hmm. Um, what is right and holy and what the Lord wants us to do. Like, that's just what the Bible tells us to do. So in order for us to make a decision, mm-hmm. we're going to have to judge between what's right and what's wrong. Right. And we're supposed to be Bereans mm-hmm. who listen to what we're being told, and then we go back to the scripture and study it to see if that is, in fact, what the scriptures teach. Yeah, but the Bereans were pretty skeptical. Why didn't they just, <laughs> like, why did they have to be so critical? Why didn't they just believe what they were being told? Because they, Shouldn't they just, like... You know, like submit to the elders and like, you know, the people who are in like, you know, the powers that be. Yeah. Well, it's funny is that sure they could have. Right. And a lot of people did. Not everybody did the same thing the Bereans did, but the Bereans were still commended for what they did. Right. They were still commended for realizing that their life is built on the word of God and that a prophet is not supposed to contradict the word of God either. Right. So this is kind of where I'm going with this. And I have literally been told this by a pastor before that I should just shut up and submit to him, Mm -hmm. even though what he was calling me to do was actually sinful and he was in sin. Mm -hmm. He didn't want me to like point out his sin or his error. He just wanted me to submit to him. And he told me that I should just blindly submit to my church elders because I had covenanted to do that. And in those kinds of moments, you just have to know like you're in a cult. Because real biblical Christianity does commend the Bereans. It does commend the person who says, show me in scripture, Mm -hmm. and then I obey Christ, right? Because he is head over all. He is head over Bethel Church. He's head over the rulers at at, you know, in the White House, he's he's head over everyone. So no matter who you are, where you are, what situation in life that you're in, you obey Christ and and his word. Mm That's just the standard for everyone. It's a universal standard. Right. And, and the thing that's 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 uh, something that should be pointed out, too, is that these people who are critiquing Bethel are critiquing their teachings, like literally the mm-hmm. things that they say. Right. Because a lot of times you hear people like this who are against this sort of criticism, like, well, you know, don't judge them. But when the Bible says don't judge, it's it's what it means is. You can't you can't tell me what their heart is or their eternal destination, mm-hmm. right? You can't come out and just say, well, everyone at Bethel is going to hell. Well, I don't know that because I don't know their heart. And, and those we people, hope not. Right? Yeah, and we pray that they're not. Mm-hmm. We, we pray that everyone comes to repentance and bows the knee to King Jesus, right? And that's why these comments are dangerous because, yeah, God can use anyone. God can use a freaking donkey if he wants to. Right. But like he God does use means all the time. Right. But if the donkey was saying things that were heretical, don't follow the donkey. Right. And we're hoping that like there's just enough humans that would actually be usable by God that we he wouldn't have to use a donkey. Right. Like when the Bible says even the rocks cry out, like yes, the rocks may cry out, but that mm-hmm. does not then give you permission to not cry out. Right. And and so when Jesus then tells us, though, you will know them by their fruits, talking about false teachers. Mm -hmm. Then you don't evaluate the heart because we can't. You do evaluate what they say and what they do. And that's all this article was doing. And that's all many Christians are doing when they are critiquing or commenting on the theology or practice of other Christians. But then you get the comeback like, oh, should you really be saying this about this part of the body? Maybe we should just pray for them. And so this is where we've said many times before that judgment does begin in the house of the Lord. Exactly. So actually, we are not supposed to judge the world, right? 
I mean, we can discern mm-hmm. between right and wrong, but like we're not here to like tell the pagans how to pig. <laughs> That's not our job. Right. Our job is to look at the church and say, hey, you, you who were sleeping with your mother-in-law, knock mm-hmm. that off. Repent. Right. Hey, you over here, woman who is being really ugly to her husband, you should knock that off. That's actually a sin and disrespect, and God calls you to repentance. Like, those are the things that actually God calls the church to do. Right. So when Bethel, who claims to be a Christian church, mm-hmm. are doing things that are clearly not Christian or biblical, it actually is right and good for the surrounding churches to go to Bethel, to write articles, to address them personally if right. they have that type of audience, yeah, and call them to repentance. Like That actually is our job. And to warn other people to not fall... Um, into the trap that Bethel is setting for them. Right, and that's because the entire Christian life is one of constant and continual growth. Mm -hmm. Jesus told us that uh, we are the vine, we're the branches, or he's the vine, we are the branches, and that we are going to be pruned. So that way we grow more More fruit. fruit. And Paul in Colossians would pray that people would grow in their spiritual understanding and wisdom, that they'd be filled with that. Peter talks about growing in grace. This is a constant theme throughout the New Testament of the Christian life is one of Well, and and beyond the New Testament, too, it's the overarching theme of the Bible from the Garden of Eden, where there was Mm -hmm. growth and potential for growth, even maturity for Adam and Eve. Yeah. And then our post-millennial eschatology is a slow growth, but it is still a growth, right? Like a mustard seed grows into the largest plant. That is the overarching theme of scripture is steady, sure, but for sure, Christian growth. Exactly. The church grows, the individual grows, the body grows, there is growth. Right. The, you know, the new creation is typified in Ezekiel when Ezekiel sees the new temple being built and then from the temple uh, water flows out and Ezekiel walks out into the water and the water continues to rise and rise and rise and rise and this was a Mm -hmm. image of the Holy Spirit being poured out in the world at Mm -hmm. Pentecost and that the influence and the renewal power of the Holy Spirit is going to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. Right. You know, the, the new creation is not going to be just like the flood where like, bam, all of a sudden, whole thing's covered. Right. That isn't the picture we get in the prophets and then in the teachings of Jesus or the apostles. It's that it started at the resurrection and then it will continually go. So the Christians who are commenting here saying, hey, stop doing this, stop doing this. Well, you're rejecting growth. Mm-hmm. You're you're rejecting our call to maturity. Mm-hmm. Like the... The saints are supposed to be rooted and built up in the word of God, in Christ. And so being built up, that yeah. that assumes a progression. Right. And then in Hebrews, we have the verses that talk about the body stirring one another up to love and good works. And that just should always be happening, always right. be happening, always be happening. Paul never stopped preaching the gospel or planting new churches and stuff. Right, like if if we're if our growth was supposed to just be stunted and stopped, then Paul, I don't know, would have planted ten churches and then stopped. Right. Well, no, he he's kept going. I keep striving towards the prize. Well, and the symbolism of gardening is throughout Scripture too. Yeah, husbanding, and, right? Yeah, and you can't like you can't hardly turn a page without seeing it, mm-hmm. and you can see it in all the different spheres too: the governmental spheres, the church sphere, and then like the family sphere. It's true. Where obviously Christ is the gardener, mm-hmm. and he even talks about pruning and th- casting off into right. the flame. He's the true vine, and then he is also the gardener who can get rid of the apostate branches. Right. Um, but then even Adam, as a mirror of Christ, is told to be the gardener mm-hmm. of the Garden of Eden, and he's told to cultivate and to um, expand the garden and expand Christ's kingdom. So we we really have to understand that growth is something that Christians need to be about. Gardening in that sense is something mm-hmm. Christian Christians need to be about. 
And you can't just reject it and say, well, it's super mean when you have to prune off a few branches or it's super mean if you're weeding some things out of the garden. That's Mm -hmm. not very loving. That seems pretty critical to say this flower can be here, but this weed can't. Who are you to say the weed shouldn't be there? Well, just like that one comment where the girl said, well, I, I gave away <laughs> part of the identity. And she was like... It was like, a 50-50 shot. <laughs> right. She was like, okay, they may not have perfect theology, but neither do I. Right. So does that just mean no one's supposed to have good theology? Well, what a weird thing to say anyway, because like... If you yourself think you have bad theology, that might be something you need to work on. (laughs) Right. Maybe pick up a theology book. Like, I know I'm not perfect, but like if someone were to ask me what I believe on these, you know, 10 points, I would have an answer for them and think that's the right answer. Right. And if I didn't, then I have been lazy and I need to repent and get good theology. (laughs) Exactly. And you um, you should be like solid in that, but at the same time think, well... Um, I should be humble and think maybe I don't have everything figured out. So let me keep growing. Right. But I'm Semper not going to say. Semper reformanda. Exactly. But I shouldn't sit here and go, well, my theology, you know, just throw your hands up. My theology is not perfect. Yeah. So theirs isn't either. And let's just. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. Let's all just keep sinning. Yeah. Right. What? What in the world here? No, that's not what the Christians are about. But this is, again, catering to the lowest denominator, right? right? Well, and this is also like where we see the church being uber feminized, right? Go on. This is like one of my pet peeves. (laughs) It's because, by and large, the American Christian church has Mm -hmm. become so feminized. And what I mean by that is... um, we have catered mostly to feelings. Mm-hmm. We, like you said, we've catered to the weakest common denominator. Typically, right. um, if someone has a feeling about something, we don't want to hurt someone's feelings. Right. We want them to feel loved and validated and affirmed. So we have done away with a lot of harsh doctrine. Mm-hmm. We've done away with hard, harsh preaching. We've made our worship services very emotional mm-hmm. and very feminine. Like, most dudes don't want to be singing modern worship music because, let's just be honest, it's super gay. It just is. And that's why men don't want to sing it. That's why men's butts are not in the pews. Because they don't want to go to church and feel gay. Exactly. (laughs) That is spot on, babe. But but this is, but, and you already said it was a woman who made this comment. uh But, like, that is us like her uh, tipping her hand to us, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings and I know I'm not perfect. So let's just love everyone and all get along. And it's that like false unity, weird, like, you know, everyone gets a participation trophy kind of nice nicety. Yeah, because the idol of like feeling good is, is higher than our worship and love for God. Right. And so... If we if we say anything like in a sermon authoritative, that might hurt someone's feelings or it might make them feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Therefore, it's wrong. So don't do that. So instead, I'm gonna just ask a lot of questions in my sermon. And this is where we have to just say women are the weaker vessel, right? Mm-hmm. Women typically are more emotional. Women typically do care more about maintaining the bond of unity between their children yeah. or family. Yeah. Or what like we don't we don't necessarily want to be the the punching bag. Mm-hmm. We don't want to be the person who has to be constantly dealing with conflict mm-hmm. and we want people to just be happy and to love each other. Typically, that's how women are created. And it's because right. we're supposed to be the nurturers. We're exactly. supposed to, like, that is the role God gave us. Right. Men, not so much. Men need to be willing to take the punches. Right. They need to be fighters. Right. Because they have a world to conquer right. and take dominion of. And so their demeanor needs to be opposite. If their demeanor is the same as their spouses or the women, then nothing gets conquered. Right. So, But then, then what happens in a feministic culture? What happens? 
Satan takes over. (laughs) (laughs) Then the women take on the more masculine characteristics and they become like the, you know, bulldogs in the business world. Mm -hmm. They become the ones who are shaving their heads and doing doing like roller derby and becoming army rangers. Yeah. Like I can be every bit as tough as a man. I can be every bit as rough and gruff and mean and I can chew and spit and do all these same things that a Mm -hmm. dude can do and prove that I'm just as valid. And then in that kind of culture, men who are told, hey, you're bad, you've oppressed women for so long, and your masculinity is stifling uh, women, Mm -hmm. so just take the back seat, those men then become very feminized, and those men become gay. Those men become the pansy, Mm -hmm. the... they've abdicate their responsibilities they either become the absentee father or they become homosexuals or they just become deadbeats because they're told that your masculine drive is somehow wrong right they just i mean they completely reject their call to take dominion right simply so this is the i mean this is why the video game and live streaming video game industry is blown up as much as it is. Because mm-hmm. there's a whole lot of men sitting on their butts doing nothing but taking dominion. Uh, virtually. Virtually. Yeah, because exactly. they can't do it in the real world because the real world will tell them that's wrong. Yeah. That you're, sure. you know, mansplaining or you're <laughs> doing something, you know. Like, and you're it's just like, being an oppressor. It's laughable because it's so absurd, but it's true. And this happens in the church too, which is funny because I think one of Bethel's main teachers is actually... Female. A, a female, yeah. yeah. I don't even want to call her a pastor because she's not a pastor, but like no. one of their founders, I guess, is what we could call her. Whatever. Leaders, leaders, fine, I think. Sure, we'll go with that. She's <laughs> leading main, them into... One of their main leader talkers. <laughs> depravity, yeah. Anyway, but this, this idea of like uh, men being fighters mm-hmm. is a biblical concept, but it can easily go wrong too, where men are the overzealous king mm-hmm. saul's true well, or this is- women being super emotional and tender can be taken in the wrong direction too and they can become so dang fragile mm-hmm. they can't handle when their husbands do face conflict yeah or when their husbands do expect them to fulfill their calling right as homemakers and um, you know, te- uh, teachers of other women in the church, right, and stuff like that, and they're like, "Whoa, what do you, so why are you we're putting not, on to me?" So we're not saying this is an excuse for men to be jerks who spit and chew, and we're not saying this is an excuse for women to be so fragile and emotional that they can't even control their own self. We're not, we're not saying that at all. We're saying that we need to take on our biblical roles, right? Not at all, because Jesus is still the shepherd of the church. And so if a man is supposed to love his wife as Jesus loved the church, then he is still supposed to explain things, just like Jesus explained mm-hmm. things to his disciples and was patient with them, but he was firm and Jesus took responsibility and was therefore authoritative mm-hmm. over his disciples and over the church. Right. And so one of the biggest issues with men is that they will they will call themselves servant leaders and literally just defer everything to the spouse. And, well, what do you want? What do you think? And we saw that even at the village church where Matt Chandler, Mm -hmm. thinking he was going to be so woke, brought in females Mm -hmm. into, I don't even know what kind of board it was, but like basically he had his deacons and his elders, I think. Yeah. And then he's like, well, we need women. We need female voices. Yeah, we need the female voice. So then he ordained some female deacons and and I think one of them was Jen Wilkin, actually. And I this he is, put them on board meetings and stuff like this that. This is so like years, so my my details might be a little bit off. But this is essentially what happened. He well, brought them in. It's a Baptist church, so who knows how that church polity went? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Anyway, I'm happy to don't even want to <laughs> don't even want to touch that. Anyway, so then he started bringing women in, and it was shortly after that that the village church became super woke. Yeah, it's true. When men abdicate their roles when and women give, take over. Right. When men give their strength to women. Yep. It's over. Yep. Um, the uh, Also, when men allow for other people to plow their heifers. Read the story of Samson. <laughs> you re- can do either one. You can give your strength to women or yep. you can allow for someone else to plow your heifer. Yeah. You. Yep. It'll go real bad for you either in either yeah. Of those situations. So uh, to go back to men not 
taking authority where they're supposed to, which is in the family, in the home, and then, you know, men in the church, and then in the world, where God has told us to take dominion. I'm going to say that over and over and over again, because it's really something all men need to be reminded of. Everything you do is is something that you can do to take dominion, right? And a lot of complementarian men will agree with that, but then live their life in opposition. It's so, so true. And yeah, you're right. That just takes the gas out of it, you know? Mm-hmm. But but could you ever conceive of a moment where Jesus just went to his disciples though and was like, you know, I really don't know guy I don't really don't know, guys. Um, what do you think? No. And so if we are as men called to love our wives as Christ loved the church, then that means that probably shouldn't be our knee-jerk reaction to life. Right. I mean, it doesn't mean that you don't take in your wife's uh, opinion or anything, but that shouldn't be your default. It's just, well, let me just ask her. Right. Or pastors who are in congregationally led churches. True. I mean, Even if not, if that's still their knee-jerk is, well, let me call member XYZ. Yeah, like we'll take a vote. Yeah. Let's let's just see, yeah. So it's not good, but so but even in saying that, people mm-hmm. would call you a fundamentalist. Just want you to know that. Again, if that is what happens, then I guess I'm a fundamentalist. <laughs> Listen, Jay Gresham Machen wrote a book, Liberalism versus uh, Fundamentalism, I believe is what it's called. And back in the 1920s, 1930s, fundamentalism just meant you believed that the Bible was God's word. Jesus was the Son of God who died for our sins on the cross as a substitutionary atonement and that by grace through faith we were saved. And like those basic doctrines, mm. you were a fundamentalist. It didn't mean yeah. you only wore skirts and didn't drink alcohol and hated rock and roll. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's not what that meant. So I'm a fundamentalist in the pre-1950s and like we just need to be okay with being called that as christians is basically what the point of all this is is like we need to be okay with reaching in and being called mean Mm -hmm. we need to be okay with not being the nice guy or the nice girl and and to not give up prodding your fellow christians on to maturity right that's like the big thing too is that why are we so averse to growing right it hurts sometimes it does I, i tell this to the kids all the time like Listen, growing and working hard to glorify God in your life, it hurts. And sometimes it's super tough, super hard. That's why it's called labor. (laughs) That's why it's called labor. But it's what we're called to. And it's where God has promised that we grow and that we get to know him better Mm-hmm. And and joy comes, like joy gets deeper through those things. Like Right. And that's what I was gonna say too, is that um especially since we're talking about things that we've seen online, a lot of yeah. online interactions can be perceived of as like very ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've even heard people say, oh, I don't engage in things online because I want my Facebook to be like a super happy place, super mm-hmm. chill. Like I'm okay with interacting with people who I differ with in real life. But on my social media, I just want it to be like super light and happy. Yeah. First of all, I call BS most of the time (laughs) because it's way harder to engage in conflict in person. It's way easier to be a keyboard warrior. Exactly. It totally is. You can take as long as you want when you're. But also, you can engage in really harsh topics like abortion or even politics or, you know, uh, certain sins that are being legalized or whatever, (laughs) and you can still have joy. And this is. You're talking about our kids and um, our kids learning how to do the hard task. Mm -hmm. We need to learn to be able to engage in joy. Right. Right. Like we um, we love cross politic and the guys over at Fight Last Fight Last Feast Network, Mm AD Robles, all of them. Super great content, super great guys. Yeah. And I just love that they called their network the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network because right. that truly like encapsulates what it is that we should be doing as Christians. We are called to fight. We are in scripture told to fight the good fight. Like mm-hmm. there is this idea of we are warring against darkness and we are the victors. We're more than conquerors. Right. And because we're more than conquerors, we can have joy and feast and be super stoked out. Like even when we are interacting with someone who's disagreeing with us on social media, in person, whatever, it doesn't have to be ugly. Right. The fight shouldn't steal your joy. Right. And to add on to you talking about us being more than conquerors and fighting the good fight, remember Jesus said, 
that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Absolutely. And that comment of Jesus is an offensive comment. The gates of hell. That means we are charging the gates of hell. And Jesus is saying, but they're not gonna they're not gonna stay shut. You're gonna be able to bust through it. Right. And so the fight is something that should bring joy because we know victory is won. How do we know the victory is won? Jesus got out of the grave. Mm-hmm. Done deal. And so now we have a cleanup job for the rest of the world mm-hmm. to disciple the nations. Right. So my point being, and this has nothing to do with that girl whose comment we were talking <laughs> about. We're going to get into another one real quick. Do we have enough time? I think we do. We always have enough time. Um, Is that she assumes her own sin in everyone else. And you can see it in yeah, the comment. My theology is bad, therefore yours is too, so we can't judge this Bethel church. Mm -hmm. She always assumes that like my sins are everyone else's sins. Mm -hmm. And rather than just repenting of that sin and then doing the judgment, which is the biblical way, like you take the the beam out of your eye and then you judge your brother, then you can see clearly clearly to take the speck out of their eye. So rather than saying, I won't engage on social media... Or whatever. This is just an example. I won't engage on social media because I want it to be a super happy place. Mm -hmm. I want there to be joy and I want people to have really good conversations and feel loved. Okay, well, maybe you should stop using your definition of love. Mm -hmm. Stop engaging super angry and to just win the conversation and start engaging like Christ would. Christ engaged with people to win the soul and to expand the kingdom, not to just look right or look super clever or witty or whatever. So stop assuming your sin and everyone else that you're, you know, maybe perhaps judging on social (laughs) media and start realizing, like, if you hate when people act that way on social media, then you don't act that way. Yep. Treat others how you would want to be treated. Well, and how many times, and we can use ourselves as an example, especially Uh when it's um, in written form, like a text or something on social media, a comment, Mm -hmm. you don't know tone. Right. And it's super easy to assume someone's texting you and they're really, really angry. Right. And then you call them up and you're like, why are you so mad at me? And you're like, I'm not mad. I wasn't, I wasn't mad at all, actually. Like, I, Yeah, text is like the worst. But I think a lot of, of times when you're doing written, written communication like that, we do assume tone. We yeah. assume the other person is angry. And it's because I'm angry, right? So like we assume our sin and the other person sure. because I'm angry, because I'm frustrated, because mm-hmm. I'm insulted, because they spoke that way to me or whatever. Right. We're assuming that they're angry and they're insulted. And rather than just being like, this conversation has nothing to do with me. And so if you want to call me a critic or a fundamentalist, that's fine. I'm more concerned about your soul. Mm-hmm. I am more concerned that you are going to church at a cult. <laughs> right. So if you want to call me a name, that's fine. I've been called worse. Right. But let me show you what the Bible says. And then like you read it for yourself and ask God for help. Well, and there's, there is some weight and I want to, I'm thinking of the word power, but Really, that that's whether the Holy Spirit wants to work or not. Right. But there is some weight to being able to tell somebody a hard word in love. Mm-hmm. And I can think of many times in my life, though, where, <clears throat> and I know you have too with other women that you've discipled, where you have to tell them something really heavy and mm-hmm. and it's serious and you're like, but I just love them and I just cannot, you know. Hard words, hard words produce soft hearts and soft words produce hard hearts. And so true. there's a difference between a hard word and a harsh word. Very good. That's a good distinction. And I just can think back on the times where I did share a hard word and I was like, man, this guy's going to be so pissed at me or he's never going to call me back again or the friendship's yep. done or whatever it was. And I was like, but I had to say it or I I said it. And then afterwards I was like, dang, that was kind of hard. Like, I don't know if he's ever going to. But then like a God lot of times it. they come back. I use it, or years later, I hear that they're back at church and or whatever, and I'm like, "Dang God, you really did work through that! Like that's really good." Mm -hmm. And so we we do. I encourage you all listening to be courageous in that way, where all of your words should be seasoned with grace and with salt. Absolutely, but say the hard thing if you think of it. The hard thing coming to mind. Say it. Yeah, and you don't have to be nice. Like there's a difference between saying the hard thing. And it not sounding nice and mm-hmm. being harsh and just being the jerk, which is the distinction that 
you're going to have to make. And right. and this is where it's a wisdom call too. Yeah, because sometimes how you say it or the timing and stuff like that could go into it. There's nothing wrong with thinking it through. Right. Okay, how am I going to approach this? But you shouldn't just say, oh, no, 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 that's that's too hard. I'm just not going to say that. And an example of this would be like uh, protesting outside of Planned Parenthoods. I know there mm-hmm. are many different camps uh, when it comes to like the kind of signs that you should hold up. Right, there are some it. churches who don't think it's right for you to call abortion murder and hold up a sign mm-hmm. outside of an abortion clinic that says babies are murdered here. Because right. that sounds really mean and like the, you know, a mom who's had an abortion may not respond well to that. Mm-hmm. And this is where it's like... You and I have had conversations and we helped start up like a, a abortion, anti-abortion ministry mm-hmm. at our previous church. And we really feel like if the truth is harsh, it's because the sin is particularly harsh. That's so true. we call sin by the right names too. Like we don't need to dress up sin. And so this is once again, like the wisdom thing. We don't mm-hmm. call sin a lesser name because it sounds nicer. Yeah. We need to stop with that. We need to, if if the sin is harsh, then we need to use that harsh word. Right. It's biblical. It's okay yeah. to use biblical words. Exactly. Bible uses all kinds of colorful language, but it's not unnecessarily vindictive. Is my no. point. You want to take you want to take all the disease out of the person. Right. Not just not just most of it. Okay. So before we rattle on, okay, forever. <laughs> let's get into another particular. Yeah. In the second illustration we're going to use this one was a while ago so i'm trying to remember all the details but this was a part of a group that i'm uh in on facebook like a mom's group it was a homeschooling group so like it's supposed to be about homeschooling but a lot of times moms will share things um that do not pertain to homeschooling yeah it's kind of (laughs) weird anyway such freedom which i have my own opinions on but lest okay. i be called harsh i won't or air them critic here. or a fundamentalist <laughs> yeah. okay so this mom basically was just saying my kid is having like a hard time obeying me i can't get my mm-hmm. child to sit still and like just asking for general help something that like every homeschool mom's dealt with i think the child was about five years old okay and just generally needing some a disobedient five-year-old i know We've never had like one a, of those. Like a unicorn on earth, I guess. <laughs> you trying to train a five-year-old to sit <laughs> is hard? What? Anyway, um, and I don't remember the particulars, nor is it really relevant to Listen, the not trying to belittle that. That's a lot of hard work. Okay. Right. But this was one of the responses to the mom who was looking for just Advice helpful tips. Like, how did you get your kid to sit still while you gotcha. were, whatever, you know, very right. practical Straight stuff. Straight jacket. Yes. That'll work. <laughs> This lady responds and says, teach babies the love of Christ. Love, or sorry, little ones before five surely sin, but they have not the capacity to understand why, nor the sense to see God as judge. That comes a little later. Right now, she needs natural consequences and compassion and Christ's love poured out. Read about Christ's character with her. I wouldn't use labels on her like sinner, sin, or liar. Trust me, she doesn't remotely know what you mean, logically. She will think and feel less worthy if your conversation about God is centered around the word sin. I started to teach my kids about sin a little later. It doesn't get any better from here, so I'm just going to leave it. (laughs) That's enough. That's enough. (laughs) You can see where this person comes from. This is a reformed Christian homeschool group, mind you. Are there? These are are all supposed to be reformed Christians. But, um... But total depravity. <laughs> right. Are there, is there quotations around the word reformed for the group? No. Oh, geez. So, um, let's see. We so, could go sentence by sentence with this we one. We really could. These are things that, like I said earlier, Grant and I have seen, like, Christians are not thinking Christianly about maturation. Yeah. We see... Someone who is immature, this five-year-old is surely immature in all the ways as every five-year-old that's ever lived has been. Mm -hmm. And rather than think it's my responsibility to shepherd this little child up into maturity, we think, well, they don't get it, so I'm just not going to go there with them. Well, you know, God's pretty pretty big and hard to understand, so you probably just shouldn't share God with the kid. Well, I'm thinking, how do you even begin to share God without using terms like sin don't you teach a kid anything because they don't understand it 
Like, yeah, that's kind of the point in general. <laughs> like, which is well, kind of ironic because it's a homeschool group. But what's so silly to me is like, how do you begin to talk to a child about the gospel mm-hmm. without talking about sin? And then right. let's There's just no say good you, news. It's not good news. Then. Well, I mean, why did Jesus die? Like, you, if you can't talk about sin, then the, literally none of redemption makes any sense. Exactly. But also, even if you're teaching a child about sin in redemption and like a abstract mm-hmm. out there kind of way yeah and you don't attach your child as the sinner then it's still not good news for them right yeah, exactly it's good news for the i guess the sinners wherever they are but it's not me because i'm just i'm just an awesome person and, and like how do you Im- I, there's just so much that i could I did not respond to this lady because I knew my heart would not be in a good place. Restrain thy thumbs. Sometimes you just got to realize this is not a battle I need to fight because someone else will do that for me. And there were other people, I think, who responded to this particular woman. Did they? Yeah, which is good. But again, this shows that this common theme of like, um, the, the common theme against maturation and against the idea that we are to teach hard things and to say hard things and that those are the things that grow people up, challenge them. Like, okay, I'm in the army. I'm going to use a, a gym weights working out analogy. Oh, here like, we go. When you lift weights, you're ripping your muscles apart, but right. then that's what causes them to grow stronger. more muscle fibers mm-hmm. and then they're stronger and bigger. And then you continue the process as far as your DNA will allow. <laughs> but like that's... That's our that's our idea of maturing in faith and stuff. And gosh, a kid who's two can understand they've sinned. Right. I mean, I don't know. But this is who knows what kind of parenting. But okay, is going so on here, this but. that was just the example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Parent, it's just bad parenting. Don't do that, guys. <laughs> um, but now let's take this into a context that many of us can relate to in okay. the church. How many times have you gone to a church, know of a church, whatever? Where the pastor will say, I can't teach this particular yep. doctrine from the pulpit because my people aren't ready for it. Right. I They're not there yet. So I can't teach those things. And then I'm always baffled because I'm like, well, if you're their teacher, then how will they ever get there? Right. And so I mean, again, they'll just magically is... wake up one day mature and ready for it. Never. All of them, all the people at once at will once. wake up one Sunday and be ready. What a revival that would be. <laughs> this truth. But that's the same thing as um, catering to the lowest common denominator again. Which happens too, right? Like, And this, I think, happens in smaller churches that we've been a part of. There's mm-hmm. typically a very large tither or something who uh, <laughs> doesn't partic- particularly like um, limited atonement or you know right. some doctrinal... Uh, point that seems to be tough very to controversial yeah and so what happens is the pastor or sunday school teacher in our case or mm-hmm. whatever will just avoid those topics because they don't want to piss off the person who's giving the money yeah there's a lot of different situations that this can this can make sense and i guess not in a biblical way but in the sinful right, way yeah but but yeah you're right this totally makes sense if you elevate it to the level within the church where you see this sort of thing happen and we've i've personally heard it from pastors or other chaplains that i've worked for a lot in the army that that i ask them like well why don't you go deeper and talk about this is this and they're like oh well they're not ready for that mm-hmm. they don't and i think there. a lot of churches will safeguard quote unquote we came mm-hmm. out of a calvary chapel uh they'll safeguard against this by preaching through books of the bible mm-hmm but what happens is they'll get to that, you know, they'll get to the Romans 9 or whatever, and then they'll just preach it wrong or they'll preach it super soft. They'll softball yeah. it. Yeah, so like that- super surface level, barely skim over it. They'll take on way too many verses for that So sermon. they don't have to touch the right. dicey ones. So like, oh, I, I totally preached through that. Right. But like. Or let's eh. take this into another realm. Okay. We've heard this too. Uh, certain books of the Bible or certain doctrines in the Bible, mm-hmm. parents will avoid with their children. Yeah. True. Or just even 
topics like sex or homosexuality, uh, abortion that we've heard from parents that have said like, my kids are too little to really talk about these things. I just Mm -hmm. don't feel comfortable. So I'm going to wait until they're like older. Porn is a big one for boys. How many times have we had conversations with parents who've asked us like, what is a good time to talk to a boy about porn? I have a 12 year old (laughs) and we're like, well, you've missed your, (laughs) you've missed it by at least, yeah, at least three or four years probably. Right. And that's, yeah, they they should know about that before it becomes a strong temptation. Well, and the problem is that everything will be learned, but it will be learned correctly or incorrectly, and you will be the influencer or you'll be doing damage control. Mm-hmm. And that's true in the church. That's yeah. true in um, the family. It's just true. Mm-hmm. People, children were learners by nature. Whether it's the TV who's teaching us, we just talked to our kids about propaganda tonight, so it's kind of funny. <laughs> but like, we're constantly absorbing and taking in information. Yep. And so you can ask someone who's been a Christian for all of two weeks what they believe on a certain topic, and they'll have an opinion. It could be a wrong opinion, mm-hmm. but they'll have an opinion, right? Yeah. They'll they'll know what they believe about hell, or they'll have an idea of where babies go after they die based on what their parents taught them or exactly you know something well and that's the thing is the uh, again you, you you talk about all these things and you realize that a biblical foundation is what you need yeah. more than anything else the bible speaks authoritative on everything it speaks about this is a van Til quote um and it speaks about everything right so you go to the bible you immerse yourself in the bible you study the bible even the Old Testament, yep, not just the New Testament, the entire Bible, and just become like John Bunyan, where people said that if you were to cut him, he would bleed bibline, like mm. he would just bleed Bible all everywhere because he was so immersed in the Word of God. Right. And if you are immersed in the Word of God, then you can become a critic or a fundamentalist just like us. <laughs> But I mean, you can you can point out error. But like a error, good critic, a good fundamentalist, a biblical critic, and a yes. biblical fundamentalist. <laughs> but you can point out error, but also be humble and loving at the same time, right? So you're not a noisy gong, right? And, and the truth of the matter is, like we said last week, um, we we're talking about James Jordan's hermeneutical principle mm-hmm. of um, priest, king, prophet. Right. Everyone has to start off. As a priest, when the priests were given law, the priests obeyed law, that was it. That's all a priest did. They mm-hmm. knew what God told them to do, and they did it. Right. So law, obedience, whatever. Right. And very much so in uh, early Christian's life and in child, you know, a child's life, right. that is the role of the parent. The parent who yeah, has lay down the rules. gone on to greater levels of maturity or the pastor who has gone on to greater levels of mm-hmm. maturity is turning around then and teaching the rules. Right. This is what God's word says. We obey it without question, all of the time, zero back chat. That's just how it goes, right? right. We you don't, don't go to the four-year-old and ask them for wisdom for your big life decisions. Or, or say like, oh, I don't, I don't think we can teach God's law to this child because they're too small. Or we don't say our church is so immature. I don't think we can teach God's law mm-hmm. to the church. Well, then I don't know what you're doing because or, that's where you start. You start right. at what the priest start, stage. What other starting point do you have? <laughs> Before the priest stage, you're just dead. You're nothing. So. And Adam and Eve started off with law, right? He right. told them, take dominion and uh, be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth, take care this of it. This is elementary. They were given law first. Yes. And then they were supposed right. to grow into, you know, wisdom. And then what we're saying for our listeners is yes, you start off at that priest role, like you just obey God, zero back chat, and then you graduate into the kingly role where you take those laws and then you learn how to apply them. Right, exactly. Then you start to figure out where in your life you apply those laws Mm -hmm. and you're able to um, make decisions in the gray areas based on what you learned in the You're giving kingly wisdom, like Solomon. Exactly. Then after that, you graduate into... The prophetic role. Where you're teaching the new priests. You're the one teaching. And the kings, right? right. And the kings. Because the, the prophets often told the kings and the priests. Right. You're calling out the kings on their mishaps and you're saying, ah, that was yeah, misapplied wisdom right. or whatever. And then the special privilege of the prophet 
was uh, being able to sit on the divine council. So the problem with these comments on social media is that you're a assuming children or believers in the church or whatever mm-hmm. are not able to even be priests because they're just so dumb yeah it's which makes you that, a false right? prophet right <laughs> or um like with the gospel coalition article about bethel when that woman was saying like well i know i'm not perfect therefore i don't expect anyone else to be what you're saying is you're a terrible priest and you assume everyone else is a terrible priest. So mm-hmm. we're just going to all live as terrible priests. Yeah. And, and and they assume a kingly role. That's true. Or even prophetic role. But they're assuming like this is how it ought to be done, which is the kingly role. True. It's a weird mixture of all of them, huh? Yeah. Well, we love to skip the priestly role because we want our own personal autonomy. Mm-hmm. We don't want to listen to anybody or learn any rules. Right. We just want to do whatever we want to do. Right. So... Let's just skip the priestly rule or skip skip the priestly phase. Right. right? So what we're saying is as Christians, mm-hmm. whatever type of sphere you're in, if you're a parent, if you're a pastor, if you're a politician, right. whatever it is, you should be encouraging and discipling someone, many someone sometimes, right. into greater levels of maturity. That is what we're called to do. Mm-hmm. We're called to be skillful gardeners were called to be fighters warriors homemakers home managers mm-hmm. managing what the good gifts god has given to us good stewards and we're supposed to be um raising up this this whole kingdom mm-hmm. of mature believers right and by the holy spirit's help like this is not our doing it is a doing of the holy spirit ultimately right and but he Jesus uses means. Has, Jesus has promised that he would send his spirit so that we could do the work of right. building this heavenly city here on earth right right and for men like that means you need to be so rooted in your um priestly role right you need to know you need to have a solid foundation Mm -hmm. because as a king you will be uh well a king and prophet you'll be training your children and bringing them up Mm -hmm. well as a king you are the head of your household and so you're gonna have to apply the um the principles of the law that you've learned to your life because there's going to be a lot of gray area stuff buying a house where you move what kind of job you take those are all gray area the bible doesn't say what job you have to take or whatever but there are principles from the law from the whole of scripture that you're supposed to take in order to execute your office as a king in your house Mm -hmm. but then as a prophet you teach the kids of your house as little priests that they are yeah the little sapling priests that they are (laughs) So they also have that foundation to then become good kings too. Because you can be a king, you can be a bad one. Right, true. Or a good one. Bible's full of bad kings. <laughs> right, but that foundation has to be laid first. Right. It has to be. Yep. Otherwise, you will for sure be a bad king and a bad prophet. So to bring it all around with the whole- Don't reject maturity. And- it hurts, but grow. And-, and Yeah, and this whole like being a critic or being a fundamentalist- like, when did those things necessarily become wrong? When we've rejected yeah. the idea that maturation is actually important. Well, the critic thing um, is wrong because it means you're intolerant. And tolerance but of everything what was Christianity. A, what was a prophet if not a critic, right? I mean, yeah, I know. That, that literally was their job. Like, thus saith the Lord. Let me tell you what God has to say about what you're doing right now. Like, that but is... If you critique the critics or the fundamentalists, you don't get jabbed at no it's true because so. they're not well liked so when the prophets would <laughs> would outs the other prophets that was always received pretty well but with the one the prophets went after the kings mm-hmm. not so well so true well are you good this was kind of a fun weird little all over the place one but yeah kind of was i hope you guys enjoyed it and i hope it was beneficial and helpful um especially as you engage with just Christians online or probably if you have friends that are a part of different churches or not part of... And these were just like two examples that we thought were, I mean, not personal enough that we could talk about them without, you know, like getting sued or something. They were pretty characteristic. (laughs) (laughs) They were characteristic of pretty much what we see all the time. Right, yeah. And and because it is so common, it has been so common, I'm sure it's not just our social media feeds or our yeah. you know personal friends i'm True. sure it is very much yeah 
uh, the norm for most people right now. So just learn to think about these things. Also, get yourself hmm. a really good book by James Jordan. It's called From Bread to you Wine. You should hold it up. We got it right there. I will hold it up for those who watch the video can see it. <laughs> Go get it. It's really good, y'all. And it, in that book, he even talks about some of the things that we talked about with the um, priest, king, prophet. And it's a book about communion, but he does a really good job of laying out that hermeneutic. And it's so yeah. helpful. Once you get that concept down, you really do start to see things so differently, I feel like. Well, the subtitle is Creation, Worship, and Christian Maturity. Mm -hmm. So it is about Christian maturity as well. So anyway, go get it. It's 16 bucks on Amazon. It's and the best 16 bucks you've spent in the last three months <laughs> or however long COVID's been happening. Like 100 months. You can buy toilet paper or you can buy a book. I mean, priorities. You could read the book and then use it as, never mind, no, we'll finish no, no, the no, podcast no, no, now. No, no. <laughs> All right, guys, be steadfast, immovable, abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. We pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened by the power of the Spirit. Until next time, get woke.